Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The Lord bless you. It's great to see you all once again for our time of worship. Uh, Before I begin uh, the sermon, I want to say a couple things first. First, I want to thank all of you for contributing to our uh, mission fund last couple of weeks to support the ministry partners involved in food security. Uh, Once again, uh, you guys have demonstrated your generosity and faithfulness. And so I thank you on behalf of all of our partners. And uh, if you missed this opportunity, uh, I want you to know, of course, that we'll have other opportunities uh, later this year and you can participate in that. Uh, Secondly, I want to thank all of you for all of your many birthday wishes uh, yesterday, especially uh, surprising me with a surprise drive-by visit. Um, I I really was completely surprised, and uh, it brought such joy um, and fun uh, into my life and the life of my family. I'm I'm really um, so thankful. Um, And seeing, you know, people gather around my front yard um, six feet apart, it really felt like we were having a church. I thought maybe we ought to just, you know, have a service there um, right then and there. Um, I, I will not forget my 29, uh, my 56th uh, birthday. Um, it's going to uh, stay with me for a really long, long time. And um, I know I'm going to be eating the desserts for the next uh, month and gaining some pounds. And so uh, thank you again for that. Uh, I want to especially thank all the kids uh, for their cards, uh, their their pictures that they sent me, and all the good wishes. Uh, such encouraging words. Um, things like, uh, stay safe, 
I miss having face-to-face conversations with you. You are a good singer. I like that one. On a scale to 10, you are 10. And uh, I love when you tell us stuff. And I like when you tell us things about God. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you things about God. Please pray with me. God, we thank you again for this time that we have together. And now, God, help us to hear your word. And in the hearing of your word, help us to find our delight, our comfort, and to be obedient to that word for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I know that right now, everyone is dealing with the current quarantine situation in a variety of ways. Perhaps a few of you who are exceptionally creative and abounding in untapped reserves of energy have found ways to have more fun during the season. Maybe you're that super fun parent that every kid wishes they had and the one that every other parent is jealous of and the one that the spouse secretly resents because now they're stuck with doing all the things that are tedious and responsible as the other parent. For most people, however, I think fun has been in short supply. I've heard people say that the days are blending together, that there's not much difference between a Tuesday and a Saturday, that people are losing track of days, that it feels more like they're stuck in a hamster wheel, or that it feels like the movie Groundhog Day. The novelty of quarantine has long passed away, and the monotony of daily quarantine living has become a challenge for many. I know that I keep asking my wife if she needs anything so that I can have an excuse to get out of the house. And I know that at least a few others of you have been doing the same thing. A common complaint, especially among the younger folks, is how bored they are, how there isn't much happening, that they wish something exciting would happen, how that they're getting antsy and filled with cabin fever, and how much less fun they're having than they had before. It is, of course, an incredible luxury to have the time to be bored. Others of you have been swamped with extra work, whether it's extra work from work or the additional work of caring for your kids and their schoolwork and the caring of your extended families. You have less fun because you don't have the time or the energy for yourself. And still others of you are struggling with anxiety, with depression, and fear over potential job loss and health concerns. And fun is simply just very, very low on your list of priorities right now. As a nation, as a world, it's clear, understandably, that there has been less fun, whether it's because of fatigue or boredom, anxiety, or overwork. Much of what was fun, what used to give us pleasure or entertain us, has shut down. Sporting events, concerts, the libraries, the movies, museums, gyms, restaurants, beaches, parties, children's activities. They've all shut down, and even celebrity gossip has slowed down to entertain us. And even with all the viewing options and subscription services that are available on the internet, 
people are still complaining that there is nothing good to watch. Other things that you may have not realized were fun have also been taken away. Like going to the grocery store without a mask, without having to stand for a half an hour outside in the drizzling rain, and then going in and finding everything that you need. Or getting a decent haircut and having a conversation with your stylist. Being able to touch your face without worrying. Or walking around the mall, just browsing the books at Barnes & Noble while munching on a triple chocolate chunk cookie and drinking nitro-cold brew with salted honey cold foam. And of course, just being able to have some human contact, a handshake or a hug. Some people have told me that they actually miss their daily commute to work. Not the traffic so much, but the time that they have alone in the car to be by themselves, maybe to listen to a podcast in peace and just simply to think alone by themselves. Being in a house with your family as much as you love them 24-7, it can still be a strain. With all that in mind, I thought I'd preach a series of sermons that I've entitled Less Fun, More Joy. I want to assure you that though there may be less fun in our lives right now, as Christians, there can be more joy. And I want to explore how we might increase joy even during this pandemic season. In verse 11 of our reading today, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Jesus spoke these words during the last week of his life, after telling his disciples some very, very bad and sad news that he's going to be betrayed after telling them that he's going to go away and die. Despite the cross and the crucifixion awaiting him, despite knowing that his disciples would abandon him, Jesus still had joy, and he spoke these words to his disciples to reassure them that his joy would be in them and that this joy would be full. He wanted them to know that despite what was happening Despite what was going to happen to him, despite the failures that the disciples would experience, that they could still have joy and have joy to the full. And I think that's a good promise for us to cling to during this season. So first, what is joy? I think we can all agree that joy is not the same thing as fun. The world often conflates joy with fun and happiness and other similar words. They're not unrelated, but joy in the Christian understanding is something else. The Apostle Paul, for example, called the church to be joyful and that he himself was joyful, even though he had been beaten and flogged and was sitting in prison. He still had joy and called the church to rejoice. Jesus, too is someone that is described as a man of sorrows and one acquainted with grief. And yet, he was filled with joy. In the New Testament, joy is usually described as a kind of satisfaction or happiness based on spiritual realities, independent of circumstances or fleeting emotions. It's something like an inner gladness or delight, a deep-down 
sense of well-being, shalom, resulting from the humble confidence in God's love, mercy, and faithfulness. The scriptures also teach that joy is a gift, it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it is both commanded, we are to rejoice and to be joyful, and it is the assumed default condition of the people of God. In the Psalms, for example, this is what it says in Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 32, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are upright in heart. In Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Further, the many festivals and feasts of the Old Testament and Jesus' regular and repeated reference to the kingdom of God as a celebration and a party highlight C.S. Lewis's memorable phrase, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. The Gospel of Luke tells us that the birth of Jesus was good news of great joy. It is good news, but it is of great joy. And the Westminster Catechism reminds us with the very first question, what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Joy is our destiny as well as our daily condition now. So when life is hard, or when life is dull, when entertainment and pleasures and fun have all been stripped away, when stress and uncertainty and loss loom in the horizon, do you still, can you still have joy? And Jesus says, yes. In fact, he says, not only can you have joy, but you can have joy that is full or complete. And he gives us these words so that that joy might be full. And what does Jesus say? How can we have this fullness of joy? Well, take a look at verses 4 through 10 in our reading today. The word that pops out, and it's going to pop out here because I, I enlarged them and bolded them. But the word that really just pops out is abide. Abide. Ten times it appears in this short paragraph. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And what are these things that he has spoken? The thing that he has spoken repeatedly here is abide in him. The answer to the fullness of joy is to abide in Jesus. Abide is the favorite word of John. I did a quick count in English and the word appears 33 times in the New Testament 29 times in the writings of John in the gospel and in the letters. It's John's way of describing what it means to have fellowship with God and with other believers. It's what it means to be the body of Christ. It's what it means to be the people of God. In other words, for John, the way he heard it from Jesus, to abide is the equivalent of to believe or to trust or to have faith. Because to believe and to abide both point to a life centered in the life of Jesus Christ. A few days ago, a survey was released by the Pew Research Center, which asked Americans how the pandemic has impacted their faith. Among all Christians, 35% 
or only about a third, said that their faith had been strengthened through this time of pandemic. Now, if you break that percentage down a little bit, you will see that those who attend historically black churches had the highest percentage, 56%, more than half. Even though the pandemic has hit this group disproportionately worse than other demographic groups. The group of Christians who had the lowest percentage of experiencing a strengthening of their faith at 22%, barely one in five, belong to mainline denominations. In case you're not sure, that's us. That's who we belong to. Now, to be fair, even though we belong denominationally to the mainline churches, denomination, theologically, most of us are probably more aligned with evangelical churches at 42%. So maybe we can just kind of split the difference and say we're somewhere around 31%. But regardless of how we parse this, it's still a low percentage. But I believe our faith can be strengthened during this time. And as the historically black churches teach us, it's not a matter of how easy it is or how difficult life is that determines the strengthening of faith. And as Jesus teaches us, it's a matter of choosing to abide in him. To abide in him is what's going to lead to joy and the strengthening of faith. And notice here that Jesus repeatedly says, we are to abide in him. I think when we talk, we're more likely to say abide with me if we use the word abide at all. But Jesus says, abide in me. To abide in him is not simply then to stay with him by his side, to be loyal to him. To abide in him points to something deeper, to an indwelling fellowship. There is an organic and supernatural, perhaps even a mystical aspect to this. Jesus says that as we remain in him, as we abide in him, just as he remains in the Father, we too will experience the joy that is his and the joy that is full. And this really is the key to joy now and in any time. I think many Christians mistakenly think of joy primarily as only some sort of inner satisfaction in the midst of the storms of life. That's certainly a part of it, but that's not really it. Other think, others think of joy as a kind of um, experience of unfettered delight when they have success or some surprise gift or uh, something good happens in their life. Again, that, that can be a source of joy. That is a kind of joy. But that's not really what Christian joy is all about. Those experiences of joys they point us toward something else. They point us toward something deeper. In his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, C.S. Lewis came to understand that all his desire for joy, all his longing for joy, was actually a clue to his longing for something else. He concluded with these words, Joy was valuable only as a pointer to something outer, something other and outer. While that other was in doubt, 
the pointer naturally looms large in my thoughts. When we are lost in the woods, the sign of a signpost is a great matter. He who first sees it cries, look, and the whole party gathers round and stares. But when we have found the road and are passing signposts every few miles, we shall not stop and stare. Lewis came to discover that joy and his desire for joy was pointing to a deeper longing that he didn't even realize he had. And that, he discovered, was his longing for Jesus. Jesus is joy. And that's why Jesus says, abide in me. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, there is only one thing that can give true joy, and that is the contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and his great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less, and in him I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is not ultimately about right believing or knowing, though that is very important. The Christian life is not even about right living, doing what is good and true and being ethical and moral and acting Christ-like in loving others, though that too, of course, is extremely important. What Jesus is telling us here is that the essence of the Christian life is abiding in him. Being a Christian means living in a particular way and believing in particular things, yes. But these are made possible and they are only nurtured through the life-giving connection that we have to divine, to Jesus Christ, the source of life. Joy, the fullness of joy, is only possible when our life is rooted in him and in his joy. As American Christians, we tend to favor Paul's metaphor of the church as a body. Paul's point is that the whole church, the whole body, is not uniform, that it is not entirely made up of the nose or the toe or the hands. We need each other and the different gifts and the talents that we bring to the whole. The church as a body, in this illustration, highlights our different roles in the body And we like this metaphor because it emphasizes our differences. It emphasizes our individuality and our unique contributions to the whole. But Jesus' emphasis is different. In the vine and branches, there is anonymity. The stress is not on individual personality and self-expression or even service. What ultimately defines us as the people of God is not a particular gift, but the connection to the vine. Not what we do, but to whom we belong and are connected to. Not how we live, but in whom we live. You may not know a whole lot about vine and branches, but I know we all know this much. That if you cut off a branch from a tree, that branch will die. That branch is effectively dead. It has life only in the sense that it is connected to the tree. It can only bear fruit 
if it is connected to the vine. And Jesus says, this is what we are. Without being connected to him, without abiding in him, we are like the branch that has been cut off. It's not just that we cannot produce fruit and good works. It's that we have no life. Jesus says, God will do the work of tending to the tree and the vine and the branches. God will do the work of pruning the vine and the branches. What we have to do is to abide in Jesus. Our call is to stay connected to Jesus, to his word, and to his love. If we do that, then we will have life and fruit will result. Our lives will have purpose, yes. We will bear fruit, the fruit of loving one another, which will bring God glory. But the most fundamental thing that we can do is to remain connected to the vine. If we do that, if we abide in him, God will make sure that we bear fruit. In the coming weeks, we'll take a look at some practical ways in which we can abide in Jesus through prayer, through meditation, through the study of God's word. But today, Jesus invites us to know him and to experience the fullness of joy by abiding in him. If you are not experiencing more joy right now, could it be because you are not abiding in him? Could it be that your joy has been robbed or short-circuited because you are not connected to him? Is your lack of joy a result that you are looking for that joy someplace else? It is certain that we as a world, as a nation, as a state, as a church, and as individuals will come out of this pandemic changed. There is no question about that. The question is, how will we be changed? Will we simply be more grateful for what we have? Will we simply make a few superficial changes like wearing masks when we're outside? Will we become more suspicious of others and be more fearful of the next challenge that we face? Or will our faith have been strengthened because we abided in Jesus? Will our joy have increased or even made full and complete through this ordeal? Will we be able to say we had less fun, but far more joy? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you give to us that in this season, as in every season, as we abide in you, we can have life, abundant life, and joy, and joy complete. Help us to believe your word and to abide in you that we might have this life and this joy. We pray together now in faith, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.